Often respected podcast hosts Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez met online in 2006 and began podcasting together shortly thereafter, discovered Star Wars Minute in 2014 and launched a Movies by Minute podcast of their own a year later, focused on the Back to the Future trilogy, completing it less than three years later with 340 episodes about the films themselves and five about the Universal Studios theme park attraction from the early 1990s. Received over 100 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, in early 2018 completed 95 episodes Episodes of the Cornetto Minute, dedicated to the Edgar Wright-directed comedy trilogy starting with 2004's Shaun of the Dead, one minute at a time. The show is nowhere near as popular with only four reviews on Apple Podcasts and has been on hiatus ever since. Hey, Scott, how's the hiatus? Well, I haven't been on hiatus. Not exactly. That's right. You've been working on that little side project, Spider or something. Spider-Man Minute. I don't know if I'd call it a side project exactly. I would. You know, I'm surprised you didn't take a break after last season of Cornetto Minute. That's what I did. I prefer to take my breaks behind the mic. Indeed you do. And that's why it's high time such skills were put to better use on Cornetto Minute Season 2. I'm sorry? Hot fuzz. You want us to cover every minute of Hot Fuzz? Yes, lovely. Isn't there a weekly podcast we could do? Oh, no. Can I just stay on hiatus then? No. Do I have any choice in this? No. But I kind of like being on hiatus. You always said you wanted to cover Hot Fuzz one minute at a time. I don't remember telling you that. Yes, you did. You said, I'd love to cover Hot Fuzz one minute at a time someday, Zach. <sighs> Fine, but there's no way we can perpetuate the amount of carnage and mayhem in every minute of Hot Fuzz and not incur a considerable amount of podcasting. 115 daily episodes? Not a problem. The Cornetto Minute returns to investigate the gunfights, car chases, and proper action of Sanford's finest one minute at a time. It's about to go off with Edgar Wright's Hot Fuzz this November at DuelingGenre.com for the greater good. For the greater good. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week I am joined by returning guest Kirsten Christensen to discuss Ali and Diane from the film Ali's Wedding. Hello! Welcome back to our most frequent guest. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep that, gotta keep that award. Um, for anyone who is not aware, Ali's Wedding is a 2017 Australian romantic comedy, though I did see it listed as 2016 in a couple places, so yeah. I'm not 100% sure. Or maybe that's like <laughs> festival circuits or something. Right. But it's an Australian romantic comedy that was written by Andrew Knight and Osama Sami and directed by Jeffrey Walker, and it tells the story of Ali, who is the son of a Muslim cleric who has a lot of pressure on him and ends up lying about his professional, educational, and romantic life. Oh, and he's in love with Diane, but sort of accidentally marries another girl, <laughs> and Ali is played by Osama Sami, and Diane is played by Helena Sawiris. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced any of those names. That is my ignorance <laughs> on that. Um, I came to this film at your recommendation. So why don't you first share where you sure. found the film? Um, I came to this film at 
Netflix's recommendation. <laughs> so I was watching um, another film on Netflix that was about actually had a Muslim character. And um, and so I finished that and Netflix was like, we think you might like Ali's wedding. And so I went to Rotten Tomatoes because Netflix no longer gives any sort of useful ratings information. Um, and Rotten Tomatoes said 91% fresh or 92% fresh or something. I thought, well, that what is this film that I've never heard of? And so I sat down and watched it and thought it was really charming and, you know, it straight up hit all those rom-com rom-com beats but in a different culture and a different situation with different problems than i'd seen before so that was pretty much my experience when we watched it too <laughs> yeah so so i think you recommended it to my wife emily and then uh-huh. emily and i watched it together yeah and immediately i was like oh this is one we need to talk about on the podcast at some point and then you and i were talking about things you could come on to talk about and when i mentioned at least wedding like we had i'd thrown out a bunch of things <laughs> but you're like oh that one yes <laughs> i want to come on and talk about that one yes uh so so here we are um, and like you, I was kind of like, what is this movie when you, when you had recommended it to Emily? Cause I just hadn't heard of it. And I try and keep my finger on the pulse of pop culture and it had just completely, um, you know, missed, missed me entirely. And it turns out because it was Australian and never released in the United States. Right. Uh, and so you can find it on Netflix, but that is, um, about the only place you're going to find it. And there wasn't a lot of press around it here in the United States. Yes. So because I wasn't quite sure what this film was, I started to look into it and I saw it was inspired by the actor and writer's real life. And I think you know a little bit more mm-hmm. about that process. Um, so is there anything you want to share in the trivia portion or do you want to circle back to that after we do the full yeah, story? Yeah, so I, I think that we've got a couple of trivia items in there that I put in for you. Um, but yeah, let's let's do the plot and then and then we can come back and talk about what's, right. what's different and what's the same. Okay. Um, and w- what I saw, I, I do remember like right after watching it, looking it up, trying to figure out how much of this is inspired by and how much of this is, is literally what happened. And he mentioned that he was on another film set and he was telling someone a story about his life and they were like this needs to be a movie mm-hmm. and he's like really and they're like yeah <laughs> it needs to be a movie and out of that conversation eventually we got the film ali's wedding um so as we said it is based on real events from osama sami's life um and you haven't heard the plot synopsis yet but just just while i'm reading it just say this is based on real events and sami or sammy i'm really not sure on that i assume it's, it's sami it's s-a-m-i um who wrote and stars in the movie is quoted as saying that ali's wedding is quote history making the first muslim rom-com so it's hopefully going to pave the way for many other similar stories not just from the muslim community but from other communities and minorities in our society and like you um it was just um a good blend to see the familiar beats of romantic comedy which we're all familiar with if you've been aware of Hollywood filmmaking uh, from the 90s on, really. There was there was a heyday for the romantic comedy in there. Um, but seeing it from this different point of view, both um, culturally, re- religiously culturally, but also like country culturally, mm-hmm. like there's just different ways um, th- that you see Australian culture being reflected in, in a romantic comedy. Um, Sami also wrote a memoir, Good Muslim Boy, which, Kirsty, you have, and you've read some of, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, that goes into more detail about the real-life re- real events that inspired the story. And Sami's real-life father died before the film was produced. And then when we get to the plot summary, you'll see that his father is a very key character yeah. um, in this story. And Sami said it made filming some of the scenes with Don Haney, the actor who plays Ali's father in the film, very emotional. And you see some good, raw, emotional acting coming. Yeah. And knowing that context when I was re-watching it, so I saw that trivia while I was rewatching it for this discussion, it was like, oh, now I, th- I think I understand some of the rawness that I'm seeing even more. 
Um, it was most. It was the first screen role for several cast members, most notably Helena Sawirius, who plays Diane, one of the you know the, the love interest, one of the main characters in the film. Uh, and I think you mentioned it has a ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It doesn't have a ton of reviews because right. of its that's situation, like but five out of six or something. Yeah, but that's still uh, generally positive reaction from right. those who are reviewing it. And it was the winner for best original screenplay at the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts Awards, and it also received seven other uh, award nominations from the. A-A-C-T-A, which I, I wasn't familiar with that acronym until this moment. Yes. <laughs> That's like in the game of uh, Balderdash when you have to fill out acronyms and someone gave you A-A-C-T-A. <laughs> yeah, so, so basically these are the Australian Oscars. Yeah, Oscars and Emmys rolled into one, it looks like, right? Possibly, yeah. yes. Um, and it also had several wins and nominations from other Australian film organizations. It was very well received there. And Ali's Wedding is exclusively distributed by Netflix. Um and it says outside of Australia, New Zealand, and China. And FYI, for viewers, you know this, you do need the subtitles on because some of the characters speak Arabic and characters who have been speaking English just nod along and you're right. not told what this conversation is but right. if you have subtitles on you see that translation it doesn't have a rating because it was released in theaters in the United States it will be R for language in a couple scenes as well <laughs> I think my favorite way to describe this is one of the brothers who's a little bit uh, less religious uh, he says I gotta speak Australian at work right. dad and he drops several <laughs> F-bombs in that right. scene right yeah <laughs> and yeah. That, that is what he considers speaking Australian right. which from what I've heard is actually pretty accurate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just like that excuse. His dad's like clearly offended by the language that's being used. Right, I gotta right. speak Australian at work. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there, there are a couple of scenes with some language, um, and then other than that, it would probably be PG-13. And, yeah, and if PG-13 for a lot of <laughs> Well, and, yeah, because and I, I was actually watching with that in mind. There's there's one scene with some sexual discussion, um, although it's more theoretical than anything because he's a Muslim, <laughs> and um, and then there's also his his father ends up getting beat up in prison, and so he's kind of Oh, you do see like a bloody, bloody yeah. yeah. So, but it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, if I had older high school kids who were interested in it, I would not hesitate mm-hmm. to let them watch it. All right. Well, before we get into the spoiler synopsis, we want to thank you for downloading this episode and listening. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers and also give monthly updates on our fantasy box office game. All patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. So now the full synopsis. Um, this is probably one of the more detailed ones I've done in a while, just because I was watching. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta include that scene because it kind of matters later. Mm-hmm. And some of the, um, for me, some of the best emotional beats actually come from subplots. Yeah. Uh, and so, in a lot of um, summaries, I would trim some of these subplots, but it's like, oh, I really need to mention this moment with the sister because right. that moment with the sister is going to pay off. Right. Uh, later. And I do go into detail about this opening because it is one of my favorite openings for a film in quite some time. So here yeah, we go. I, I saw it was kind of a shot by shot repeat. <laughs> yeah, j- just for just for this opening. No, no, no. no really so it opens up with a picturesque scene of a farmer's field with the field and the horizon taking up equal parts of the screen. A tractor enters the frame and then it's followed by a police car with sirens blaring and the loudspeaker ordering stop the vehicle immediately and pull over. The driver of the tractor is wearing a tuxedo and he's yelling that he can't stop. He's trying to get to the airport. The police get ahead of the tractor and stop uh, their car and the driver tries to stop the tractor before 
before hitting the police car, but the brake seems to be broken, so he yells sorry at the police officers and jumps off the tractor. Freeze frame of this man in a tuxedo leaping from a tractor, and we get a voiceover telling us about a saying his dad always told him, a lie begins in the soul and then travels the world. He says there are three lies that have shaped his life. The first is the lie that saved his father's life. His father was taken prisoner in Iraq for being critical of Saddam Hussein, but his friends posed as prison guards and freedom. Surely that was a good lie, he says. The second lie was believing that uh, his family uh, of Iraqis living in Iran could have a good life there. And eventually that lie (laughs) becomes obvious and they move to Australia. And the third lie, the biggest lie, is this story that he's about to tell. We see Ali studying hard for a test as family chaos reigns around him. Uh, Later at the mosque, Ali is performing in a play, a musical play, while his father, who's the cleric, is narrating a story. The women and children are watching a video feed in another room. Uh, There is a, you can just tell by looking at him, a very conservative member of the congregation named uh, Saeed Ghaffar. And he does not seem thrilled with the performance that is happening. And he also sitting next to him is a very studious looking young man named Lue, who is Ali's age. After the performance, Ali's dad says he needs to write a new musical and he's got a plan. It's going to be The Trial of Saddam Hussein. And it's going to be a musical comedy. (laughs) Um, as everyone is leaving the performance, Ali wants to go talk to a girl named Diane, and he's not good at flirting. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> While working that night at a convenience store, Ali is studying for exams again because he wants to get into medical school. So all his free time, he seems to be studying. His friends are there distracting him. The girl he tried to talk to earlier is coming in, and Ali says he's really going to talk to her this time. And one of his friends says, don't do the stupid voice. But trying to flirt, he does the stupid voice, which is a very bad imitation of Saddam Hussein. The night before the exam, Ali's dad comes and gives him a briefcase that has Hassan's initials. We haven't met really Hassan or like we don't know that name yet, but his dad says Hassan would have been a great doctor. And maybe this briefcase will bring Ali luck. And Ali climbs up under the roof to play. It's a stringed instrument. I don't know what it is exactly. I tried to look it up and I could not find a name for it. Yeah. It really makes a beautiful sound. Yeah, no, and I and I can't remember. It's 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 sort of like a like a, a lute almost, you know. Mm. And and um I can't remember what it's called either, but I, I read an article that talked about how he really, the actor really can play this instrument. He's, he's very good at it, so he's really yeah. playing it, and it's, yeah. Um, but he's playing this musical, this stringed instrument, and we see a flashback to Ali and his older brother Hassan playing soccer in Iran. And his brother steps on a landmine, and you hear the click, and his brother looks down, and he sees what he's triggered, and he throws the soccer ball as far as, far as he can, so Ali will have to go and chase the ball down, and then Hassan lets the landmine go off. Uh, and then the day of the test, uh, Ali sees Diane and Lue both there to take the test. And then we get some stressful waiting time and Ali gets the results of the test in the mail. And he got a 68.5. And I should say he, he has no idea that Diane is heading for the test. Until Until she shows up. Yeah. And, uh, 68.5 is not great. We're not quite sure of the scale at this point. It becomes clear it's a hundred point scale. (laughs) And, um, yes. Now, we go to the mosque where Saeed, uh, that very conservative member, uh, is throwing a barbecue for Lue, who got a 96.2 on the exam. And Saeed very patronizingly talks to Ali and says, well, what did you get? And Ali tells the lie, the third lie. He claims he got a 96. Point four, <laughs> <laughs> and now we go to a mosque where there's a par- uh, we go to the mosque where there's a party celebrating everyone who got into the university who did well on the test. Saeed is reading the list of the students and he notes that some sisters took the exam too and did adequately. And Ali's dad yells out that one of the girls got a ninety nine point one, and Saeed notes uh, that if 
well, this girl's father is willing to turn her back on the prophet and let his daughter go to school with Westerners. Well, and then he trails off. Finally, Ali's name is read from this list and everyone in the mosque is very happy for him and they call for a speech and Ali first recognizes the girl, the sister who got the top score, uh, but he's shouted down with praise about his score. And he tries to explain that we're all equal in this room. Everyone, <laughs> uh, but everyone really wants to believe he's a genius. And after the celebration, Said says he needs a copy of the results to frame for the mosque. You can kind of tell Said does not believe that Ali got a higher score than his son. That night, Ali is attempting to forge his score. It's like we go into, he's cutting the score out with a razor blade from the document and trying to get in the new score for the photocopy. It reminded me of that scene in The Fugitive, another episode you were on. (laughs) Actually reminded me of that as well. (laughs) We're eating oranges and making ID. (laughs) Um, And Ali's sister, uh, Ramona, comes in and sees what he's doing and finds out that he really failed the exam. Ali sees Diane, and she tells him that her dad actually is going to let her go to college. And Ali goes and visits Diane's dad's restaurant and convinces her, her dad, that it would be a really good idea to have a doctor in the family. And Ali's dad tries to set up Ali with a girl named Yamna. And later, Ali decides that he needs to tell his dad the truth. But when he goes in to tell his dad that he lied about the scores... Um, his dad is crying because he just found out that his mother had died and he hadn't seen his mother since they came to Australia. Um, and he'd finally been on the cusp of tracking her down and being able to see her again, but she has died. And while, uh, his dad is crying, his dad says, my mom would have been so proud of you, Ali. And at that point he's like, well, I can't tell him now. I can't tell the truth at this moment. (laughs) So he's getting ready for the first day of college and Ramona just looks at him and says, what are you doing? (laughs) He says, I'm going to go sit in all the lectures for a year, then retake the exam, get in for real and nobody's going to know. And she's says you're an idiot (laughs) she's right (laughs) at the university ali is heading to whatever lecture diane is going to (laughs) ali's mom and yamna's mom and that's the girl that he's being set up so it's it's okay sorry i i I think they say your name it's y-o-m-n-a i saw that on the subtitles i think they say yumna yumna maybe yeah okay uh, Yumna's mom, uh, they come to the university and they want to find Ali. And the university says, we do not have a student with that name, but they are undeterred. And they just go start checking classrooms. And they find Ali's class where he's just sitting in. And uh, they pull him out and hand him freshly dry, clean clothes. And Ali's mom says their families are having tea, so he needs to get dressed. Now, Ali at this point calls his buddy because his buddy accidentally got engaged at a tea ceremony because he did not understand the customs. So Ali's saying, hey, you understand this now. What do I need right. to do to not get engaged? Yeah, so... The- just to add a little bit, so the tea ceremony is part of the tradition of getting engaged, but there are like different things you're supposed to do depending on different regions, and so it's kind of confusing for the kids because they're like, "Wait, do we do this? Do we do that?" Because here in so Australia, they're yes. they, it's kind of a melting pot right. for the Muslim community. They're right. all from different countries, and so like his buddy said, "I got I, I got engaged because I didn't understand her country's culture, right. <laughs> you know, and, and what the tradition were, right. and I did the wrong thing." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he's like, "Oh, don't worry, I've got you. I understand it all now." Right. But he's a mechanic and right as he's trying to explain it to him, oil starts leaking onto his phone. So Ali does not hear what he is supposed to do to make sure that he's not engaged at the end of this tea ceremony. So now we cut to the tea party where Ali is sitting very tensely. And uh, he starts adding sugar to his tea and is like looking every time he adds a cube. He's like, is that the right number? Have I gone too far? I'd like to go too far. And finally, does not know what to do. He grabs his tea and aggressively drinks it and slams it the cup down on the table. And he watches for everyone's reaction.
reaction, and Yamna's father nods sternly and says he drinks the tea before I give my approval, and Ali thinks, I did it, I got out of this engagement, but then Yamna's dad jumps up and smiles and says he's so eager to marry, it is done. And everyone cheers, except Ali. Ali's mom is yelling, my doctor's son is engaged, <laughs> and she wants to tell everyone, but Ali says, I need to focus on my studies, I can't get married right now, and his dad says, we're going to hold off on announcing the engagement for a year, until the end of your first year of studies. So at the university, Louie finds Diane and asks, does Ali really go to classes? And she says he does, but she's suspicious now, and so she goes and finds Ali and says, did you really get a 96? And he admits he did not. And she says, what in the world are you doing? And he gives what's actually a pretty good monologue about his brother who died and how he's carrying his brother's briefcase. And his brother was meant to be the doctor. And now he's trying to fill that role for his family. And Diane goes um, and visits Ali at work later after she's thought about this and says, you helped me get into medical school. I'm going to help you. And they start studying together. And uh, eventually some flirting happens. And Diane eventually agrees to go to a movie with Ali where they hold pinkies. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have a very awkward dinner scene at Ali's home where Ali's mom is praising Ali as the brains of the family and his brother Muhammad, which is the one that works at the the car shop, uh, praising him as the muscles. And she says, that's all the children I need. And Ramona is sitting right there eating silently and kind of angrily and deservedly yes Uh, Diane and Ali sit on the beach talking about how Ali's mom doesn't like the Lebanese and Diane's dad thinks Iraqis cause all the problems in the Middle East and Diane says this sitting here talking is as much as we could ever do and Ali says I know on an enraged date with uh, Yumna Ali is trying to be unappealing he says he hates kids and thinks he may give up medicine and just eat and get fat reality show fat (laughs) what he says about that but it doesn't really work like she's just still kind of like what are you trying to say to me? Yeah. And he kind of gives in and says, I'd, I'd have two kids. Yeah. And I should say, they're not just on a date. They're picking out engagement rings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, at another, we cut to a rehearsal for that musical comedy, The Trial of Saddam Hussein. <laughs> and an older man is talking to Ali about how Saddam Hussein used loopholes in Muslim law, like temporary marriages, to have 1,300 wives. So Ali runs to Diane and says, we could have a temporary marriage. And she asks why. And he says, well, we could be a real couple. And, as a Western audience, you think, oh, he wants to sleep with her. But no, he's like, we could be a real couple and go to a bowling alley and like go on an actual date. Right. You and me. Right. Um, All he wants to do is go on the most innocent date ever. <laughs> yes. And she agrees to a six-week marriage, but says nobody can know. However, they do need witnesses. And so two men at the train station serve that role. And after Ali and Diane have said their vows, they're like, well, you have to kiss the bride. And he gives her a peck on the cheek. Right. <laughs> it's a very chaste courtship that they're having. Uh, now we cut to another performance of the trial of Saddam Hussein. Uh, just say it's fun but not great <laughs> yeah. uh, but afterwards the cast are saying we're going to broadway <laughs> well, and i and i should say the book has some lyrics from the actual yeah musical and it's like set to the tune of staying alive by the Bee Gees, which they probably couldn't get the rights to but right. it's yeah it's amazing well and at the, at the end of the movie you see photos of the actor and his life growing up and it includes photos of him playing saddam hussein in a musical comedy the trial of saddam hussein that his dad wrote yeah uh, so so that part is definitely real uh you know from his real life and so but everyone's saying oh we're going to broadway and his dad's coming in no 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 <laughs> i said i know a muslim center in detroit, in detroit. that has agreed to host us <laughs> performing the trial of saddam hussein very similar uh and then saeed uh says well going to the USA to perform this wouldn't then count as serving the devil regime and Ali's dad says only the principal cast has to go so Louie doesn't go have to go because he was an extra and this, this is one of my favorite line deliveries of the entire movie Louie's just standing on stage in his costume he looks around and says 
I'm not going to Detroit. <laughs> like, he's very disappointed, but he can't say anything because of his dad. Um, and Ali runs and he finds Diane and tells her that he now, because he's going to America, he has a master plan. Uh, when the play is there, he's going to stay in America. He's not going to come back to Australia. And he's going to get a job as an actor because Hollywood always needs actors like him to play terrorists. Then eventually, she'll join him in America. They'll get married and just stay there until their parents forgive them. <laughs> in America, <laughs> they can live like Australians, I he says. I love that line. That's such a good line. In America, we can live like Australians. <laughs> Diane asks if he really wants to be with her. And he gets down on a knee and says he wants to marry her, but not temporarily. Aww. They kiss. But this one's a real kiss. It's not a little peck on the, key, uh, on the, uh, on the cheek. And then Diane runs back into the restaurant. We cut to America where Ali is in an interrogation room in an airport. Uh, and the interrogator is reading texts regarding the bombers and coming back to defeat them, which are, of course, texts about an Australian rules football game <laughs> that Ali... Called the bombers. Yes, yeah. and Ali is a fan of the bombers. And uh, when it looks like he isn't going to be allowed in the country, Ali stands up and says, I have to get in. I have to disappear. disappear. This is God's plan. And now we cut to a handcuffed acting troupe flying back to Australia. And when he gets back, Saeed and Lue are waiting with Ali's father. Lue says he went to tell the university administrators that Ali had gone overseas. But the administration said, Ali is not a student here. Now Ali confesses that he did not get the score he claimed and he was never a student at the university. He also then confesses his deception to the entire mosque and Saeed says um he gets up after Ali does this and uh, Saeed says I see no need for the cleric to step down immediately of course if my son had been such a disgrace I could not live with the shame and uh then Saeed says also I very innocently in my job as a taxi cab driver saw Ali going around town with a loose Muslim woman from the university and he shows pictures of Ali and Diane at the bowling alley (laughs) I love that that constitutes the loose Muslim woman from the university. Uh, And Diane storms out and Ali chases her, but she says he has ruined her life. This is one of the other scenes with the strong language. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Now we move to Ali's wedding to Yumna, which is still on. (laughs) Ali does not seem terribly invested in the ceremonies, though. Uh, But when he is asked if he gives consent to begin the wedding, he says he does. And then Ali's... uh, So they have this big dance kind of number. Uh, Ali's brother gives him a letter that he said he needed to give him after the wedding, and Ali and Yumna get into a car with his brother chauffeuring them. And while riding, Ali reads the letter, which is from Diane, uh, who is being sent back to Lebanon that day by her father. She says that the six weeks of their temporary marriage were the happiest of her life, and then Ali asks his brother to pull over and Ali t- tells uh, Yumna she's very beautiful then he gets out of the car and runs into a field uh, and Yumna just tells Muhammad uh, Ali's brother to drive her back and Ali throws his phone away and in the field he finds the tractor and we go back to the opening of the film and now we discover that Ali's monologue that we heard at the beginning of the film has been him telling the judge this story the judge is unimpressed with the reasons for what he has done. Uh, and he says, well, I know I'm guilty. Give me community service or fine. But Diane leaves today. I need to get to the airport. And the judge just says, your story took so long. I, I'm going to adjourn until Monday <laughs> for sentencing. And Ali is taken back to the holding cell. Um, it's not clear what day it is, but Ali's father comes and gets him out of the holding cell. And well, it was if, a little vague to me. If they're getting married, maybe it's a Friday because that's the holy day? Yeah, but it's not, it, like, it sounded like you're going to be stuck in this holding cell until Monday, but then Ali's father's there getting him out. I wasn't 100% oh, clear. Oh, I see. Well, maybe his father... Bailed him, yeah. Yeah. But his uh, his comes and gets him, and then we see them stop uh, stopped at the roadside, and they're sitting on their prayer rugs. And so this is obviously after their prayer, they're having a heart to heart, sitting um on the roadside. And Ali says, um, "I'm going to need to get a divorce." And his dad says, "Well, after an hour and a half, it's more of an annulment <laughs> than a divorce." 
And Alice says to his dad that he's sorry that he's never going to have the son he deserves. And his father says, I've not been a very good father. If I failed to communicate to you how loved you are without condition, I am a bad Muslim. I love you. I love your stupid brother. And I love your brilliant sister. <laughs> or crazy brother, I think he says. Your crazy brother and your brilliant sister. Um, and then we go to the mosque where Ali's father is stepping down as cleric and allow Saeed to take over. But the members of the mosque rebel and start yelling out, we all have Id- idiot children. He's boring. <laughs> And Saeed is very insulted by this and yells over like the din until everyone stops and says, you are all beneath me. I'm starting my own mosque. Who will come? Like, who's a good Muslim and who will come? And about four people stand up to follow him. Uh, And Ali then also apologizes to Yumna, saying she deserves to be loved and she will be. And we see Ali send a video message to Diane confessing that he loves her. And he says, I'm going to go to the airport every day. There is a a plane from Lebanon and I'm going to wait for you uh, for the day that you come come off. Except for Tuesdays because I have community service. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ali gives his sister Hassan's briefcase. And he goes to the airport for several days. It's really unclear how many. It's a montage. So a lot of time passes with him going to the airport every night. Um, and then one day he's convinced this is going to be the day and he goes and waits, but she is not there. And then as he's riding up an escalator, she yells his name and he has to run down the escalator. Classic rom-com moment. (laughs) Um, and they give each other a kiss on the cheek and they ride up the escalator (laughs) while holding pinkies. And then, um... It cuts to the credits where it says Diane lived out her dream and became a doctor, and Ali lived out his dream and played a terrorist. And then we see real photos of the actor um, growing up. And like I said, real photos of his father and his family, his brothers and sisters, and playing Saddam Hussein in those. And it's at that point where I'm like, how much of this is real? (laughs) How much of this is just the inspired by liberties for making a rom-com? Yeah. So that is the summary of the movie, which I have to say is delightful. And if you don't mind a few Australian accented F-bombs, I highly recommend (laughs) that you go watch this movie on Netflix. And who... Who wouldn't even prefer Australian accented <laughs> F-bombs? Um, I wanted to read I wanted to read a series of tweets because I was also, after I watched this the first time, I was really curious to know how it was received in the Muslim community or the Iraqi expat community. And so I wanted to read a series of tweets. Um, this is at Rad Brown Dads, but he was actually tweeting from a Netflix account and his name is um, Ahmed Ali Akbar. And he says, hi, at Rad, Rad Brown Dads here and I'm about to watch Ali's wedding. I don't know much about it except it's about a guy named Ali's wedding. My middle name is also Ali. Well, um, so I'm excited to see how much his wedding was like mine. A few months ago, I heard there was a rom-com with a cast of Muslim characters on Netflix. I knew I had to watch it. A rom-com is a perfect vehicle to tell a story about the Muslim diaspora. A meet cute where the boy can't talk to the girl without family supervision. Comedy gold. (laughs) A lot of entertainment about our community contains Orientalist and sexual tropes, but within the first few minutes, Ali's wedding introduces you to characters and communities that are so specific and well fleshed out that it can make fun of this stuff without reinforcing stereotypes. Quick Google, the movie is based on the love story of Osama Sami, who plays Ali. The movie makes Ali's Shia slash Arab slash Australian community feel real because it is real. There are some things I totally relate to and others I don't, and that's okay. It reflects life's imperfection. Even though the movie is very specific in its cultural details, Ali's family is so relatable for any immigrant family. A dad doing his best, a mother wanting everything for her kids, the vain and narcissistic brother, and the sister who's just better in every single way. I especially love the Walla bro middle brother. He literally says his brother is Walla useless. He wears hot muscle tanks and knows he's dumb and hot. Incredible. (laughs) Like many immigrant kids, Ali's parents' hopes and dreams weigh heavily on him. He wants to be a doctor, except he's a bit of a screw-up. You know who's not a screw-up? Ali's love interest, Diane. She's a ridiculously talented eldest immigrant daughter. A perfect setup. 
I didn't expect so much of the movie to take place at a mosque. It's incredible how much mileage they milk out of it. There's jokes that only people who grew up in an Islamic law-obsessed community like me would truly understand. Thankfully, that's me. So I'm sure there are things we're not getting. Oh, yeah. Which is I, great. Yes. But there's also enough that I was thoroughly entertained Absolutely. and laughing the yeah. entire movie. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of like a movie where I know there's more depth to it that I'm getting. Um, I, I think just because that certainly doesn't mean it's too shallow in any way. It's just a very real community. Um, side note, this movie does an excellent job of portraying one of the central aspects of Islamic law, which is to say a Muslim consulting a sheikh on personal and legal questions. They give the best encapsulation I've heard. There's always a loophole. Ha. Huh? <laughs> And the aunties and uncles in this film, they're so great. They're flawed, but you can totally see why they're petty and have high expectations for their kids. Um, There's also a strong recurring theme of the women taking on extra burdens, emotional, financial, and personal. This feels like a stereotype of Muslims, but the way they portray the specificity here makes it feel universal. Also great, the idea that every immigrant family is filled with superhero backstories. Yes, there is the tragedy, the loss of folks back home, but there's also the comedy, the love of sports, the food, the in-jokes, the whole complexity is here. Um, And anyway, it's rom-com. It's got all sorts of cute little scenes, which I won't ruin here. Now, on to the film. Final question, was Ali's wedding like my Ali's wedding? Well, uh, I didn't fail out of medical school because I didn't even try, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, it's nice to have that feedback, because when you see something that is part of a community that you're an outsider of, mm-hmm. I think there's always that question of, like, how is this reflective of, right. you know, is this accurately reflective of, because I'm so ignorant of <laughs> these intricacies. Yeah. Um, and then it's not just that this is the Muslim community, it's the Muslim immigrant community, you know, in Australia, and again, where all these different um, nationalities with their own traditions, but then all these also different schools of thought about what it means to be a Muslim mm-hmm. are all meeting together in this mosque, because this is what, this is the community we have here. Right. And it, it reminded me a lot of Coco, actually, where Coco is set very specifically in Mexico, having to do with a Mexican holiday and I've seen, you know, obviously tons of people who are Mexican or Mexican-American really loved it, but also people from all over Latin America loved the specificity of it, that it wasn't just like generic Latin America. It's like very, very specific. And sometimes, even if it's not specifically about your culture, you appreciate seeing someone who's like you portrayed or someone portrayed in all their specificity. I think you'd appreciate that there's an authenticity there, even if you're not 100% sure. Like, how right. about it? But you, right. can, you like with this one, you, as you said, like we know there's jokes that we're not getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the references that it's like, okay, well, that's something to do with Muslim law. Sure. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but, but it's still open enough that we can appreciate it. But I, th- I think there's um, something that may, helps you feel, um, like you said, that there's an authenticity to this version of this life that's mm-hmm. being shown here. Even if it's not going to be universal, um, sometimes when something tries to be universal, it becomes too shallow uh, yeah. and, and too stereotypical. And yeah. the specificity of this feels like, okay, and especially when you know this is based on the writer and actor's life, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, there's a lot here that is going to be real. Yeah. And it's a culture that we do not see portrayed very often uh, in, in Hollywood or American entertainment. Right. Yeah, and that's part of why, you know, I've, I've even heard it kind of more specifically and jokingly referred to as like the first Australian Muslim rom-com, you know, which is like obviously a genre that there's only, you know, if that was a Netflix genre, there's only that one. <laughs> yeah, wait, the, the Netflix. Like, you like Australian Muslim right. rom-coms? We recommend Ali's oh, Wedding. Right, that's the one, yeah. Um, so in, in terms of what is real. And I, um, like Joe said, I got the book. I wasn't, I didn't have time to read the whole thing, but I read the parts that were mostly about like the, the dating and the, and the wedding. Um, and I would say it's sort of like, it's sort of like a chessboard where all the pieces are there, but they're kind of put in different orders to be a little bit more, um, some, some of the more cinematic moments or the more rom-com moments didn't happen exactly that way. Um, but, um, 
but yeah, his father, you know, the, everything about his father, his family escaping from, from Iraq. And, and, um, honestly, the more unbelievable parts of the story, those are the parts that are accurate. So, you know, his father really was the, was a sheikh and he had like two PhDs or something. And like the kids felt like they could never live up to him. And he was really married for that hour and a half, right? Yes. So, so yeah. So what happened with that, um, so the woman, and he, in, in the book, he calls her Cece. He says that was her nickname. So her name wasn't Diane. And his name obviously isn't Ali. Um, but he, um, they actually met in like a chat room. And I don't know if it was a, like a chat room for Muslims in Australia near Melbourne or if it was just anyway, but they just started talking online and then eventually decided to, to meet up. Um, and they met up at like a, like, like a sports game or something where he was sports game. You can tell I'm a big fan, right? <laughs> I like sports ball. Um, yeah, they, they met up, they went to a game and kind of sat together at the game and talked and stuff. And so they sort of, they sort of started dating and they did do the whole like temporary marriage thing so they could like go on dates. And she was, um, she was born in Australia. And so she was, um, uh, not as like like she didn't she didn't wear a headscarf or a hijab. Um, but but it was all but you know was devout and and I I I'm struggling. I don't want to like put Christian words on things. We're gonna try really hard to like use the right words, but again, there are failings. Not the not the movies. Um, I don't think she was part of the same mosque. I don't get that impression because I think he would have known her family. Um if they were. And I, I, so it sounds like she was part of a large community, but not, but not part of the mosque. And then she was actually a year behind him in school. So she, so he was in, he was in college and she was in high school. Um, Cause I guess in Australia getting into, like you get into the medical program in college, like what we consider undergrad. And then you just go straight through. Okay. Um, Maybe kind and of And this like, is one of the things that um, is like, okay, I'm an outsider here. Some of it was like the Australian school right, system and sitting right, for these exams. Right. It's like, it's not the religious outsiderness where I'm unfamiliar right. with some of these traditions yeah. um, of the Muslim faith. I was like, I don't know what test this is they're sitting for, right. uh, but I yeah. understand enough about taking a test that I get the stress. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and also the actor was in his like early 30s when he played the character, but in real life this happened to him when he was 19. And so I think it's easy to watch it and assume that this is grad school because he's obviously a little bit he's older. older. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we may talk about the big sick later and some, and some similarities between this film and that one, if you've seen that one. Um, so anyway, so they weren't at school together, um, but she did want to go into medical sciences. And so they did, you know, both have that as a shared interest. And, um, and, and he, and he really did do poorly on the test and he really did lie about it to show up Louie and Louie's dad. And, um, <laughs> And he really did decide to go to school. And there was a thing where, like, he had a good enough score to go into, a, like, an arts program, but not a good enough one to get into the medical program, right? So, so he really was a university student. No, he was not. Oh, okay. Um, so, but he didn't want to enroll in the arts program because he's like, they'll be suspicious if I'm taking too long to finish it. I'll just go every day and study in the library all day and go do all this stuff. And then... Was he planning on retaking the test? Yes. Okay. And, and getting admitted, yeah. Um, and it's actually really funny because at one point his father became suspicious because... Um, I think because of, you know, someone didn't think he had a good score or something. And so his father wanted to go talk to the dean of the school and like, and prove that he was enrolled. And um, when they went to the campus, the security guard and people at the library all said, oh, hey, because he really did go to the library to study every day. And so that actually like bolstered his case of like, oh, hey, it's, you know, it's Osama, we know him. Like, oh, okay, so you really like, yeah. And then they went to go talk to the dean and he was like, oh, oh, is, you know, we want to talk to the dean, is he here? And the secretary's like, you mean she? And he's like, yes, she, I meant she. <laughs> um, and then she was out for the day and then his father just didn't pursue it after that because it because like it looked legit enough that the, the, the librarians and the and the security guards knew him um 
So yes, then at some point it came out that um, that he uh, had lied about this and portrayed, and I think it was like maybe a full year or something or full academic year that he did this. Um, and he thought that Yumna wouldn't want to marry him anymore. Oh, so and so his his engagement with her was like basically when he when he got out of high school, turned nineteen or something. His parents just showed him a picture, a grainy picture of a girl once, and said like, did, you know, do you like her? And he's like, sure, whatever. And he's like, okay, well, we'll meet her family, you know. I'm like, and and he kind of says like, even if I'd said no, they would have just kept like showing me grainy pictures until I until I said yes to one of them. Um, so um. So yeah, so then he met a, the tea ceremony. I don't think that actually happened that way. It's, yeah, that's very funny though. It is a like that is one of the most like this is being played comedically, <laughs> right? Like yes. to the hilt, right. Uh, right? And so yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Like I, like even if there was an awkward tea party, right. it was not right. like what we're seeing right yeah. now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he and then he um, and then he did meet her, and she was lovely and smart and funny, and he would try to do things to put her off, and she would just like joke back at him. He's like, "Dang it, she's really great," but he's like, "But he's not." she's not the person that I'm in love with. You know, she's not, I, I like this other person that I've been spending time with. Um, and so, yeah. And so then the whole thing came out about his lying about his scores. And then he's like, well, at least you won't want to marry me now because I'm so disgraced, but she still did. He's like, ah, um, and then it went all the way around the, the greater Melbourne Muslim community that he was lying. And Cece hadn't known about this. Um, and so that's Cece found out she and it is not that she was really mad about it, but she was just like, oh well, like you know, I guess you were lying about this for a year. <laughs> and then, kind of independently, her parents found out that she'd been dating and got upset. So it wasn't this big like revelation at the mosque, but they did, and they all went back. And her her mother was not dead. Um, and so she's like, yeah, I, I, um, and maybe and maybe his engagement to Yumna was announced at the same time. I, <laughs> I should I should reread that part. It's been a week. Um, I was, <laughs> there were so many things I was going to do before this podcast. Um, so, um, so yeah, not only did her parents go back to Lebanon with her, they set up an arranged marriage for her. And so, um, so there were a few more wrenches than even the film puts it. Right. And that's actually <laughs> something he said in one of the, in one of the interviews, the articles about the film was like, yeah, some of the things, some of the things we actually had to tone down because, um, because they were just unbelievable. Like the whole interrogation <laughs> scene with the Americans, like he was interrogated for 12 hours. It well, wasn't just oh. like. In the trailer or in the credits, when it's showing like real photos, included is like my real deportation document right. from the United States. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then it turned out that they're like, and it really was the bombers that he was a fan of that they found on his phone. And then, yeah, no, it was, um, again, not as funny as they play it, but, um, but, um, and then it turned out they had like the wrong visas or something to be there. And it was, anyway. Um, so, um, so Cece went back to Lebanon. And Ali and Yumna were going to get married, and it was this big thing, you know, in, in the mosque and everything. And when you get married, everyone comes up to you to the groom and like gives you money. And so he had all this money in his in his suit coat. And they were driving along, you know, driving to, to their new house. And um, and he got out at a Seven Eleven and just ran and he had all this money on him and so he ended up renting an apartment and he lived in that apartment on the money he like people had given for the wedding for three months and his family did not know where how he much was. money was he given it was a lot of money or it was a really crappy apartment or both and then when the fourth month came along he's like i can't afford the rent so he so he called his dad like you're like your mom just wants to know you know it's like am i dead to the family it's like no your mom just wants to know that you're alive and doing okay and like how's yumna and um and uh um 
and and his father in the and and I should say they were um they were the, it was the the film was a long time in development. I think it was just a long time to kind of get it made and stuff. And so there are scenes. So he actually wrote the, um, we're writing the memoir at the same time. And then the way we're at the memoir actually came out before the film came out, but the memoir wasn't necessarily completely written before the, before the film was, but the scene where, where his father's saying, um, you know, I'm a bad Muslim. If I haven't made you feel loved is like almost exactly the same as it's in the book. And I'm sure that was one of the ones where he was like sobbing as he's doing this. That's the one where in the film, it feels the most raw, like the acting, yes. like yes. The, these emotions are on the surface and it yeah. doesn't feel like acting. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I want Don Haney to be my dad. Um, actually, no, I just remembered that my dad listens to this podcast. So, <laughs> dad, I love you. And, and you are everything good that Ali's father and, and exhibits. You really are. Um, but he's a really good dad. In the film. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a really good dad. Um, uh, little side note. Um, my mom puts the podcast on my dad's. I don't know if he has like an MP3 player or something, but she only puts my episodes of this podcast on it. He just listens to them over and over again. And he told me, he's like, you're just, you just sound so smart. You're so smart on that podcast. I said, well, first of all, thank you. Second of all, you're biased. And third, I have weeks to prepare every single time I'm on the podcast. And so it's, um, I can do a lot more research than the poor people who are doing this every week. Anyway, shout out to my dad. Um, uh, so, um, so, so he's talking to his dad and, and his dad was like, well, you know, we can, I mean, we can arrange marriage for you with someone else. And his, and, and somehow it comes out, he's like, no, there's actually someone else I'm interested in. And, and his parents hadn't known that. And, um, and so he kind of explains the story and says like, yeah, but you know, she, her family went back to Lebanon and she, and she, um, you know, has an arranged marriage and she's married by now too, which is like, would be even more rom-commy of like, stop the double wedding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so then his dad said, like, well, you should get in contact with her. You know, maybe she made the same choice you did. Maybe, you know, maybe she decided not to get married, too. Or maybe she ran away in the middle. Um, and and then he's like, wait, am I not married anymore? And the dad's like, oh, yeah, you're divorced. <laughs> like, yeah, so, She's so, not waiting for you. Right, exactly. Like, yes, you, you need a divorce, too. Um, um, Your mom wants to know where you are. She does not care. Right, <laughs> right, yes. So, um, so he got in contact with CC, and CC at the last minute decided not to go through with her arranged marriage again, not knowing that that Ali had not, or Osama had not gotten married. Um, and so then she came back with her family, and um, and his they had another wedding, and it was much smaller. And they're like, you know, we could invite the whole mosque, but they're kind of traumatized by the first <laughs> wedding, so let's just have a small wedding. You know, it was like it was like in the in in her family's house with the appropriate number of witnesses or something. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and so and and the way that they ended the film, because the film never says Ali and Diane get married, and no. I kind of thought like, oh, they must not have really gotten married, but this is just like the funny rom com way to end it. It just says that oh, she became a doctor and he became an actor, and and it was kind of like, oh yeah, it's implied that they're together, but it's not. And sometimes with with biopic stories that are based on real events, you have to sort of imply things are going in a certain direction. So I honestly thought that they did not end up together, or maybe that she was not a Muslim woman or something. Um. And then he talks about his wife in in the uh, acknowledgments. Talks about his wife. I think her name is is Sukena or Sukena. So I assume that that's Cece. Right. Um, and like I said, I I was reading this book kind of quickly, but who apparently became a doctor. I I tried to find her on social media to just to kind of verify what was going on, and I and I couldn't really find anything. I think she has a, a low profile or no profile. But yeah, he's he's got two kids and and an Instagram presence and. <laughs> I, I, I saw a lot of his daughters on there. I, I didn't see, um, I saw one picture that I thought might've been his wife. Um, mm. 
And also lots of pictures of other people who were in the, the film because he was promoting the I've film. I've seen this. Uh, often when one person is super prominent publicly, yes. the other member of a marriage will keep a low profile. That is entirely possible. Yeah. yeah. And if, you know, and if she's a doctor, she may, she may just yeah. have her practice and keep her low profile. And I've seen but... that both ways for, for yes. like the wife is really famous, the husband, for right. to try and keep a sane life for the kids right. often. Yeah. Um, they have a lower public face. Yeah. And then I should also say he's actually the oldest in his family. So he didn't have an older brother that he was living <laughs> up to. Um, but he did have a brother who died in a bombing in Iran, a younger brother. Um, and then he had two sisters and like other brothers. And so some people were kind of, you know, condensed down. Um, but I was surprised at how much of it was real. And especially the most unbelievable parts where he really did run away in the middle of his wedding. And, and he yeah. really had f- pretended to be a university student. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which like, I guess there's no tuition. Because well, I, I don't even, or maybe he, I mean, who knows? Again, our outsider know, status of Australian yeah, yeah. education. The, 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 the most baffling thing about this movie is Australian education. Um, but yeah, it's it's really it's really a fantastic film. It really is great, and I think um, even with um, our unfamiliarity, like there's enough familiarity of the mm-hmm. rom com tropes uh, that that I you know I don't struggle to get a handle on it, even if I have a few questions uh, right. you know here here right. and there. And you noted in our. Um, in the notes in our prep for this, that there's kind of been a wave of immigrant rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Um, like the rom-com genre really like mid, late nineties, early two thousands, you couldn't go a month without a rom-com coming right. out. It almost felt like from Hollywood. And then the, the genre kind of faded as superheroes rose and mm-hmm. kind of dominated so much in these big, big, bigger spectacles kind of right. replaced. And they're also, I mean, yes, there were a lot of rom-coms, but, like, short of While You Were Sleeping, can you think of one since then that was, that, you know, feels really notable? It just felt like... You've got me up, but I mean, that's, like, it's still Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, right? Right. And also, yeah, and that's also, that's true, but it's also a remake of... Yeah, of uh, Shop Around the Corner. Right. Um, which is a, another remake, right? right. I think yeah, there's a series I of remakes. I can't remember, yeah, yeah it's a remake. The idea of pen pals falling in love while hating each other in real life right. seems to be something people like. <laughs> yeah, but just, it just feels like, um, you know, maybe the white American middle class rom-com maybe we've just gotten all of them and there are you know which is part of why I think that this that this um, these immigrant stories are so fascinating because I, I read this really interesting article once that talked about one of the problems with modern rom-coms is that rom-coms are about kind of overcoming social barriers and the way American culture is um, it's not such a big deal now to date outside of your religion or outside of your race or outside of your class or outside of you know certainly you can have families and groups that will that will be um, more insular right but in general, um, you know, if if your family is freaking out because you're dating someone from a different religion, that's like, oh, your family's being really uptight. That's not the standard for for the entire mm-hmm. culture that we live in. Um, but with immigrant families, you have all this, you have all this anxiety, and you have all this pressure to live up to things, and so you have these really interesting social tensions that don't necessarily um, exist in in you know in American white middle class culture. Like um, like with Crazy Rich Asians, I thought it was really interesting. Like the demarcation of like, oh, you're Chinese, but you were born in the U.S. versus Chinese who emigrated to the U.S. versus Chinese who have been in Singapore and like even those class distinctions and, and you know, what counts as being in the in-group and the out-group are really, really interesting and obviously not something you're going to get if, you know, if, if you have another film with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you also noted that uh, The Big Sick is another, yes. um, you know, rom-com. Uh, I didn't, I, I can't remember the name of it. There's Netflix dropped a rom-com a little while um, ago. To all the, to all the boys I've loved not before? Not that. No. no. Oh, uh, um, set up. The, the setup, yes. 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 Which, um, that one is, like, the two main leads are white, <laughs> you know, white, white middle-class yes. Americans. Uh, but um, it was interesting because, you know, Netflix drops so much. And mm-hmm. and that was one of the ones that people kind of, like, the social media took note of when yes. it came out. So I, I think 
we had such a break in rom coms mm-hmm. that um, be it Crazy Rich Asians or The Big Sick or uh, The Setup or the To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Like there, there does seem to be an audience like desire sure, for this sure. story. Maybe not as frequently as we had in the Julia Roberts, uh, yeah. Sandra Bullock heyday. And, then, Ryan and maybe not something that's going to open on thousands of screens. Yeah. But, um, also, Man Up is a, that's a British rom-com. Okay. Um, that's a, that's a fun one. The premise is that, um, there's a woman who is supposed to, no, she's like standing at a, like a train station holding a book and there's a guy who's come up and he's supposed to be, meeting a blind date who's at that train station holding a book and she is not his blind date but he is like funny and more charming than the all you know anybody that she's gone on a date with like in the last year and so she goes along with it because she likes this guy and then it's sort of like how long and it's simon Pegg who plays the guy and um and now i can't remember the name of the actress um but the thing I really like about it is, like, halfway through, like, the truth comes out, and he actually, like, I feel like sometimes people are too forgiving of of weird lies that people tell in rom-coms. He actually, um, I think, responds very believably, where, he, where he's, not to spoil it, but he's just like, that's so creepy! Why would you pretend to be someone? I'm just like, thank you! Not, you know, <laughs> yes. you can't just wave this away. Um, that's a really fun one, too. So. Yeah. I think um, people telling creepy lies and then everyone forgiving it goes back to Shakespeare much right. about that thing. <laughs> That really set the tone for yeah. people are going to behave horribly in rom-coms and we're all going to still have a lot of weddings at the end. Well, and, and someone once <laughs> joked about like how in so many Disney Disney animated films, um, you know, halfway through someone's lie comes out and then like none of their friends will talk to them for the next. And so like, all, you know, like in Aladdin or something and yeah. it's like, okay, there needs to be some ground between like super, super creepy lie that everyone forgives. And then like, we will never talk to you again or listen to you as you're trying to warn us about this big thing. Like, like no, shun. you lie to us. Unshun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, a couple of other uh, things that I wanted to touch on. Um, in in the big or uh, not the big sick I haven't watched the big sick yet okay. I need to watch that one yeah. but in Ali's wedding one thing that was really interesting is even as we were being introduced to this Muslim mosque and again this diaspora of uh, you know all these different countries it was so clear that there's a range of faith mm-hmm. you know and a range of culture mm-hmm. on display inside of this and I think. Um, like you were saying, when it's not necessarily someone who knows the community so well that's telling the story, right. you get this kind of broad brushstroke and everyone is this thing. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated Nali's wedding that that wasn't the case. And even with my lack of familiarity of what, you know, what the variations may be, I could watch this and say, oh, you know, you know, as, as someone who belongs to a church, I can say, I've seen that, you know, that kind of range mm-hmm. of belief and faith and mm-hmm. that range of engagement during a meeting. Like, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> There's an opening uh, shot of like uh, during during um, a, a, basically a sermon. I don't know what the, the yeah. if that's the same thing, but basically a sermon. Uh, they, they pan and some people are, are like watching very very fervently, and others are like on a smartphone playing a game, uh, <laughs> hidden behind a hymnal kind of book, you know, or actually, scripture. I think it's actually Ali's brother Mo, Mo who's yeah. playing the, as his father, yeah. you know. But even then, like you can see, there's the like, people who are whispering to each mm-hmm. other and clearly not as engaged. It's like, yeah. oh, I've seen that, even yeah. if I don't you know, don't know, I haven't been in a Muslim mosque for this right. kind of um, service. I've seen that in a faith setting. Yeah, there's actually a really good, um, there's a really great hashtag that was, as of this taping, that was that was going on a, a couple weeks ago, which was hashtag peaceful, hashtag peaceful mosques, which is people just talking about like, um, and it, it was response to the, to the, um, the New Zealand massacres, um, 
about like what are just sort of like really boring everyday things that happen in your mosque and they're and it's just lovely if you ever want you know just a, a stream of like what day-to-day -day life is like in a mosque one is like you know there's this stray cat that was always hanging around and so now like now he has his own food bowl in the women's section and he just comes in you know another one was like there's a little kid and he's like four years old and he used to like run up and down the people the roads of people who were praying and like now he's five and he realizes that's not appropriate and I kind of miss it when he was running up and down the roads of people who were praying you know and so it's just like little kids playing and people hanging out and you know yeah. um and it's just uh again i i think as an insider of a community that's often misunderstood it would be really tempting also to tell a story where everyone's great mm -hmm. uh and maybe everyone's more like the larger community you know the, the right. larger culture right. and saying like we're just like you but it doesn't do that either it, mm -hmm. it's you know it's there's these unique pockets yeah. uh within this and um i think the film even in the short glimpses you get of some of these characters like mm -hmm. some of these characters it's probably five minutes of screen time sure but you get a sense of their personality and how it differs from yeah. other members of the mosque and um i i think especially with the female characters maybe we'll talk about them a little bit more it would be so easy to stereotype them it would be so easy to be like oh diane is the rebel and yumna is like brainwashed and she's you know and she's really mean and the mom's this nag and a little bit like but the fact that yumna is this like lovely intelligent kind you know smart person and and there's a they do this really smart thing because ali has so he has his friend ayub who's also at the mosque and then he has a couple other friends who are just australian they're they're not muslims and um and, and so they'll talk to each other and there's a really smart, almost world building thing they do where the friends will ask him questions that maybe the audience would have. And yes. so like... And when the friends are at the wedding, they're like, what, right. what am I supposed to do right now? Right. Yeah. And so one of his friends is like, well, just, well, why can't you just break off the engagement? And you are like, you can't break off an engagement. And so like, even though you don't have to go into like, you know, for centuries of Muslim law, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, this is a big deal. And then like, you was like, oh, remember when so-and-so broke off the engagement? Like, yeah, his mom went to the hospital. So like, this is a really, really, really big mm -hmm. deal. Even if you do not, you know, white Australian audience, you don't understand. We're going to have these characters ask these questions and be like, no, this is, you know. But it also, uh, in doing that, it never feels like, here's exposition. Nope. Right? Because yeah. they don't go in, in enough detail. They don't do that talk right. through. It's just the casual way friends would talk, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so even while giving you that, that outsider glimpse yeah. and, and a brief explanation, they keep it brief and on the level that you would expect friends who know each other right. to, to be communicating at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, they do a really good job with that. Um, like I said, it's it's only the Australian university system that boggles the mind because <laughs> the film was released in Australia where presumably everyone understands the university system. So there's no explanation of that. No, no. But although even then, I mean, and like the scene, you know, you see him studying all the time. You see him really stressed out. You see the family be like, oh, this is a big deal. You see that, you know. So again, it's it's the it's the showing, not telling. You know, you don't have to you don't have to hear him say, oh, I have all this family pressure on me. It's like, here's your dead brother's briefcase. Good luck on the test. It's like, okay, no, you know, no pressure here. Or and you understand the way to that. And it also, again, that scene sets up so beautifully when he gives the briefcase to his sister, yes, Ramo Ramona. Ramona. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and like, it's a silent scene. He's just yeah. hands it, like knocks yeah. on her door, hands it to her and you yeah. see her reaction. And um, it's, it's played beautifully. And yeah. in the moment of this montage where you're like, like this is the big rom-com finale when they're finally going to get back together. That moment happens, and I'm like, oh, that hit me really hard. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I like, I love that scene, especially, you know, Ramona gets, she's so ignored, and her mom keeps, her, her mom says something disparaging about women who are born in Australia, and Ramona's like, I was born in Australia, and mom's like, you see? She's like, wait, you stop picking on Ramona. But yeah, just the, the acknowledgement that, you know, you are actually the one who is smart in the family and should be the doctor. Um, 
and and I need to run to the airport. Um, I also love how many of the rom-com tropes it defies. Um, so when he's first trying to get to the airport, you know, when he's leaving his wedding, he fails, he ends up in jail. Um, and when, um, and then when he's, when he's telling, uh, when he's telling Diane to come to the airport and he'll wait for her, then she's not there. So he has to keep going back, you know, and even the like declaration of love to the judge, which is like, oh, you know, please hear my story of romance and let me go. And she's like, no. Yeah, so. she is unmoved. Well, and even like the big final shot, it is them holding pinkies. Right. Right. The big rom-com right. finale is so often, you know, the, the passionate kiss with the dip, you know, right. and all these things. And it's it's them holding pinkies, which reminded me, um, I was listening to, on, on the West Wing Weekly, they talk about sometimes like, the show has no romance so that when you see a character express any like romantic interest, they're like, this is almost like a sex scene in another show. <laughs> like it's, right. you know, like any, any right. hint of passion feels so much right. more because it's been so conservative and everything else in that, yeah. in that realm. Yeah. And it's the same for this movie. Like mm-hmm. that pinky holding, like, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, that that's like a moment, right. you know, right. in, in the film uh, because it's played everything else. So chastely mm-hmm. you know, throughout. Yeah, just to wrap up, I, I, I'll i say the only thing that I kind of didn't like about this film, um, and it's more, and it's not so much a problem with this film as it is wishing that there were even more stories told by this, is that um, it's a, you know, wonderful film, and I love it in all these different ways, but it is ultimately told from a male perspective, and it has a male-centered character, and I wish that we had stories from the perspective of someone like Diane, or Yumna, or Ramona, um, and also, this is a rom-com, a lot of it's played for laughs, but... Um, you know, Ali's actions threaten to ruin Yumna's reputation. Um, you know, if things had worked out a little and bit Diane's differently. And Diane's life. <laughs> and Diane, yeah, and Diane gets shipped back to Lebanon. So, um, so I, I don't know if those aspects are taken as seriously or focused on as much. And certainly, I mean, certainly the film doesn't exonerate, like, the film takes very seriously the consequences of his actions, but maybe doesn't examine the fact that, um, you know, his screw up has repercussions for him, but much bigger repercussions for the women in his life because of the difference in social positions. And mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, and but again, that's more of a situation where um, where I just want to see even more Australian Muslim rom-coms, perhaps <laughs> from a female perspective. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it does a good job of allowing each of these characters to be a full character. Yes. But we yes. don't. Like, there's no sense of what Diane's life was like when she was shipped off. Like, mm-hmm. and, and yes, he apologizes right. to Yumna, but we don't have a sense of, again, what this has done to her life. Right. And, and where she's headed. And yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, they're, they're not at all one dimensional characters. And, and it would be, I mean, it's so many love triangles. It's like one person's obviously terrible, you know, and there, I, I really love that there are no obviously terrible people here, even, even, um, even uh, Louie and his father are actually, I mean, Louie's father just comes off as this kind of pompous jerk. But even then, he, you know, he says something like, you know, I'm a descendant of the prophet and I drive a taxi and he's the head of our mosque, you know. And so you can kind of see like, okay, that's where he's coming from is he thinks he deserves more respect. And so he's kind of trying to be more and more strict and more and more severe so that he will get the respect that he thinks he deserves that he doesn't get in 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 um you know in the in real life and yeah it's just it's just so many so many multidimensional characters even ones who have just a little screen time and i'm sure that's because this is based on real life and it's based on a real community and so you know you don't have to write a mom or a friend or a sister as a stereotype if you know people like this who are real people well and also i i think some of the 
Um, like, like the things you wish there was more of, we're not getting so much of that because this is his, like, exactly. like this exactly. is, he wrote yes. the script from his point of view right? and maybe he was more informed about what was going on in their lives, but also <laughs> like we're condensing and, and, you know, contracting what seems to have spanned years in her life mm-hmm. into, into basically like two semesters of college. It feels like, yeah. you know, in, in this, um, honestly though, I think that, I mean, cause I did, I did, I mean, there's a lot else that was going on, but honestly, I think the time frame is about right. I think uh, it was like, you're out of high school, you got into med school, you're going to get arranged marriage. What a, what a life. A year later <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. Like it might be, it might've been three semesters of college, yeah. but I don't think it was, yeah, I don't think it was much longer. So. Well, I understand why him telling the story to another actor and they said, this needs to be a movie. I understand their call. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. This, <laughs> you couldn't make this up. Uh, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, again, uh, final recommendation for us. This is streaming on Netflix, uh, and we both very much enjoy this movie and would recommend it. Uh, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 47, when we talked about While You Were Sleeping, or episode number 80, when we talked about Pride and Prejudice. Uh, you can just su- suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod, at Jadorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is uh, at DizMinute. And Kirsten, you are at BYU underscore librarian. That is correct. I've got it. You're a pro. <laughs> yes. And our Facebook fan, fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. We enjoy our conversations there with our listeners and we'd love for you to say hello anytime. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist thank you again for listening and we will be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long bye-bye No, the dryer is still going. When I hear a beep, I will pause this recording and I will run up and bring you your white blankie. Okay. What about you, Derek? I don't know what stuffed animal I want. Well, I, lost <laughs> <laughs> I don't. He said, I don't know what stuffed animal I want. <laughs> Can you go pick one out from your bed? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, try when I bring up the white blankie in about 20 minutes. I'm guessing we'll have to pause midway through when I hear a beep. Uh, I will. I will look for your stuff, Dale. You guys, your levels are good.